All right, so it's saying that we're live. So hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is um, season two, episode seven of Shooting the Breeze. And tonight, my guest is Pierre Bro. And Pierre is an award-winning actor, writer, teacher, and comic. And we met, we met August of 2019 when I was in his six-week uh, comedy course. Last, uh, yeah, about a year and a half ago. Yeah, that's so, right. Hi, Pierre. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be Thank here. You. Um, uh, you know, it's great to yak about nothing and everything. So <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> and that's exactly what we're, we're going to do. So how has um, how have things been for you um, during quarantine and lockdown? Uh, it was a very big challenge uh, for anybody who works in live performance and um, and also teaching. Um, so uh, on one level, it was uh, uh, very difficult in that I had a number of theatrical productions. I work in two ways. I work as a stand-up comedian, um, but I also work as a, an actor uh, and a playwright in the theater. The two worlds don't usually mix. Occasionally they do. Certainly they influence each other, but... Um, but my theatrical work, which had been planned right through the year, uh, simply vanished. Um, and that was really my, the bulk of my living. Um, the rest of it was uh, teaching stand-up comedy, uh, which we do a, a six-week course, as you know, as you, as you did. Um, and uh, we were pretty well booked up all the time. So we always had full classes going through, uh, usually about um, average of about 14 people per class, um, more or less. Um, and of course, when the pandemic hit, uh, we tried to pivot online as much as we could. Um, but um, part of what we offered in teaching stand-up comedy was was the uh, was being in the um, the club itself, like learning in the club, right. um, which uh, which made a huge difference, I think, uh, uh, certainly than than being online or as we used to do in a classroom. So uh, uh, so we had to really think on our feet if we could continue to do that. Uh, we did struggle through a few months to to go back into the club, uh, distancing. Everything was safe and above board, mm -hmm. um, and we managed to do. Uh, two or three classes um, and even even had live performances because the clubs for a while opened up again yeah. um, and in fact when the clubs opened up again uh, I was one of the first to do it um, and yes I saw you in um, in Kingston that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I was at that show. Yeah, you were at that show. My God, I yeah. forgot. Um, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> behind the uh, behind the plexiglass, and uh, a very different experience. Um, so where we're at now is we are continuing the comedy classes, but we're just waiting to see what happens here uh, through the through the uh, new year and uh, and how things settle uh, because it's so hard to predict and and it's not fair really to the students themselves to right. say hey we're going to do it this way but now we have to adjust this way and this way and this way so like many people now i'm just uh uh sitting back and waiting but i'm also doing a number of live streams that i do theatrically so uh i present those once every a few weeks um and uh there's a lot of promo beforehand and uh i usually do my own plays uh the last couple of times i've done uh, edgar Allan poe and uh, and I just recently did a Christmas Carol, so um, so I think that's kind of where it's going to be for a while. Yeah, wow. Because mm -hmm. um, I know you're also an actor. Like, which did you do first? Were you an actor first, then a, a comic, or 
did you do them around the same time or wow it's kind of like uh, from a little column from a and b um so in high school is when i started doing stand-up and i didn't realize it was stand-up i basically would just get up during uh, school assemblies and i would get up and tell jokes um and uh I didn't really think of it as stand-up, but it was it was something I knew I could do. Um, and my my uh, idol was George Carlin, and I loved George Carlin and Steve Martin, and those were the big guys at that time. And uh, um, I really uh, I was really really interested in stand-up comedy. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'll tell you why. Uh, this is really um, a strange story, but. Uh, when I was very young, and I mean super young, uh, probably eight or nine years old, my brother brought home an album, um, uh, and it was uh, it was uh, George Carlin's Class Clown, and he put it on for my father, and my father and I were sitting in the room with my brother while this went on, and my father, who was a f who loved to laugh started laughing but in a way i'd never seen before he was laughing so hard that i remember i could see the bulge on his vein on the side <laughs> of his head coming up and the reason for that is he grew up staunch catholic and so listening to george carlin riff on the nuns catholicism all this other he couldn't it was like the dams had burst and that's when i realized the absolute power of comedy about what it could do uh because it could really incapacitate people yeah. you know and, and and change everything uh you can't be mad and laughing you can't no, be, it's impossible. You can't, do laughing. you can't be, you know, like laughing does not going to, you know, the old saying laughter is the best medicine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that when you laugh, um, it completely erases everything else. So I, I recognize that power right away. And I was like, I need to do that. I need to be able to do that. Um, and so in high school, as soon as I left uh, uh, high school, I enrolled in a theater program. There was no comedy schools back then. I didn't really, so that was kind of on that side. And, yeah. and I was 16. I didn't really know if I wanted to be an actor and I was short and I had, you know, a skin condition and I was all very self-conscious, but I went into theater and I did well in it. Um, uh, one of the reasons I did well in it was because I, uh, I could completely lose myself in a character. Um, I'm not going to go into too much details, but I had a pretty rough upbringing. Um, not, nothing that I would really want on anyone else. So being able to step into a character for me was incredibly liberating. I could be somebody else. I didn't have right. to be this person suffering. I could be a king or a or a prince or a garbage man. It didn't matter. It was a mm -hmm. it was another role, another life. Um, um, so I went into uh, theater school. I did theater school for three years. Graduated, went straight to Toronto, and when I arrived in Toronto in 1982, um, that's when I did my first stand-up uh, at Yuck Yucks. Um, and I tried it and I was scared like everybody else, just, just so scared. Um, and uh, I did well, I was really happy. Uh, and I did it for about four or five months. I was 18 years old, as I say, it was 1982. Um, <laughs> but there was something about it at the time, I just didn't feel like I was ready. And, uh, and at that time, as we know now, stand-up is a very uh, intensely competitive field. And uh, sometimes the people in stand-up can be your best friend, and sometimes they can just be not very nice. So, uh, so the, um, the actor in me was kind of like, I don't know if I can do this, and sort of backed off. 
Right. And uh, and I went out of it for about a decade. And then um, and then something happened. I had a, a uh, and also I pulled back from acting and I got to get a real job. This is crazy. I can't do this. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, and then I had an epiphany uh, when my father passed away um, and my father was 55 when he died. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm 58. Now. Yeah, I'm 54. <laughs> yeah. So when he died, I uh, I remember thinking, wow, that's like that. It's, it, it was almost like somebody put a stopwatch beside my ear and went, yeah. go, go, go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I did. I left my job. I pursued acting with really, really a, a vigorous uh, force. But I also went back to stand-up comedy. And this time, I knew exactly what to expect. I knew that nobody was going to help me out. Right. Very few people were going to, uh, you know, I might make a friend or two, but it was going to be a rough business. And it was, <laughs> but yeah. I knew what I wanted from it. I didn't want, for example, to become, you know, to open in Vegas or to be, all I wanted to do was work mm. like an actor. All I wanted to do yeah. was work. I didn't want to go to Hollywood. I didn't want to go to New York. I didn't, I mean, if they came asking, yeah. they there. <laughs> sure. but, uh, but I've seen enough people and especially now over the years, uh, go off to LA to follow their dreams. Absolutely. If you can do it, if you, but I never wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I never felt like I needed a bigger audience. What I needed to do was to work. Right. So when I arrived in Ottawa, for example, here was a town that, that didn't have a lot of actors and certainly didn't have a lot of comics. Uh, it was a funny town for sure. Um, but, uh, but I felt like here is where I could actually start and, uh, and, and stand out. And I did. Uh, so I worked at uh, Yuck Yucks for quite a few years, um, just honing my skills until I could do my first opener, till I could do my middle. Um, uh, I toured a lot with Yuck Yucks. Um, and uh, it was a really great experience. Um, uh, I left after a while. Um, you know, that's another story we can talk about for sure. Um, now, uh, I do still do Absolute, uh, the three clubs at Absolute. Um, but I don't really want to tour anymore. I've done my share of it. And, uh, and it is great, especially if you're a young single person. It's fantastic. Um, but, uh, but when you settle down, you have kids, uh, you know, um, it's, uh, it's different. So uh, that's where teaching comedy came in. And um, my partner, uh, Jamin and myself have been doing this now for a few years. And it's, and it's just been great. Uh, being able to teach comedy in a way that I really wanted to, to I wanted to be taught. Um, uh, before, nobody really taught it. Uh, you just right. had to learn and it was kind of thrown at you. But, um, but I really believe I can combine the sort of teachings I've had in theater, which is a little more, you know, I'm not talking huggy, cuddly, but I am, I'm also talking about constructive criticism and, and that kind of thing. The thinking in early on in stand-up comedy was, um, you know, you got to be ready because you're going to be up in North York and somebody's going to throw a bottle at your fucking head and you better be ready for that shit. <laughs> you know, oh, okay, yes, but how about when I'm not there and nobody's throwing a bottle at my head? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so anyway, I felt that uh, uh, bringing the comedy to the club itself um, uh, and being able to give constructive criticism to people, um, as you know, I don't censor anybody. I don't tell them how they should do it. In fact, I, I don't even really call myself a teacher as much as helping anybody to um, access the natural comedy that we all have, you know? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause I think, um, uh, you more than anyone, I think in the community has seen, like you've seen probably hundreds of like brand new comedians. Like you see a lot of new, yeah. of new, of new people. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Who learn, who learn from you. And like, I always tell people that I think some of the, they may not have been my best jokes, but they're my best structured jokes are the ones that I wrote for your class mm. when I was in your class. Like those are the like structurally perfect sound jokes, you know, like, right. yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things that we're looking at in the class, and I mean, I, you know, I, I don't tell you how to write a joke. Mm -hmm. What I do talk about is the different um, avenues that you can take in joke writing and the different styles that are there. Um, and we pick them apart a bit, you know, the three rule, the, uh, um, you know, just the, the, the switch and bait, uh, mm -hmm. bait which, pardon me, you know, switch and bait works better. Anyway, it's that, that kind of uh, uh, formulas that, that do exist. Um, and they're a bit liberating, you know, like a, mm -hmm. Uh, when you have a class you do have a structure you need to come to me in a few days with five new jokes yeah and uh, 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 that is you know here's the thing is that a lot of people the mo the biggest misconception and, and really you've heard this before but maybe some people haven't that you know when you're talking about a five minute set or a six minute set your average opening set um, Okay, so six minutes at an average of uh, 30 seconds for a joke and a laugh is 12 jokes. It's not a lot. Yeah, it's not right? a lot. But we think about it. We, we're, we're overcome by the fear of, okay, then what if this happens and that happens and this happens and that happens. Um, what I try to do is uh, 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 to prepare you for it as opposed to making you funny or or that is to prepare you for this is what you're going to expect you're going to get on the stage the lights are going to be brighter than you think uh, the time is going to go way faster than you think um, you know uh, just certain tips about mic height uh, adjustments uh, what to wear that kind of thing mm -hmm. um, these are things that I think a lot of uh, a lot of people just don't think about um, yes I have definitely seen literally hundreds, hundreds of first yeah. um, in, in my years. I, I mean, I've been at it for 40 years, so I've seen a lot of comedy. Um, I've also seen the change in comedy, the demographics, for example. Um, when I when I started out, uh, there was virtually um, uh, no women or, or very few, um, certainly people of color, uh, very few. Uh, it was, and, and sadly still is to a certain extent, uh, uh, just white male domination. However, that is changing so fast mm -hmm. and so quickly. Um, and, and it's changing so quickly that um, uh, someone like that does, just simply doesn't stand out anymore. So, which is great because yeah. now it's about the comedy. Yeah. Um, um, and, uh, and so I'm, I love it. Uh, I did one class uh, where I had 10 women in my class and a man ten women wow and women and a man and it was awesome it was just <laughs> so such a relief to see and one of the certainly one of the best classes i ever had no oh, that's that's cool that's cool because i think the class i was in i think we were like 50 50 maybe yeah yeah and it, and it changes so much and yeah. as you know the ages the ages i mean i've had mm. 15 year olds to people in their late 70s so it's uh it's been really awesome and you know i think that what i'm trying to offer here is not i'm going to make you a professional comic if you choose to go into comedy that's great but for most people it's simply on their bucket list you know they want to try it their friends yeah. 
told them they should try it. And yeah. for many people, even just trying it once is enough. Um, yeah. uh, and you know, their family and friends are there and it's a, usually it's a very receptive audience uh, when we have our, uh, our, our shows. Uh, and make no mistake, they're real shows. They're in a comedy yeah. club. People are paying to get in. There's drinking. There's there, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what I, I I've enjoyed most about sort of where my comedy has come from as a 18 year old walking on the stage at Yuck Yucks Bay and Young Young and Bay Street. It wasn't even a it wasn't even a bar. It was a coffee house. Oh wow! And serve alcohol <laughs> with the bar next door where everybody ran like crazy to after but it was a coffee house and uh and it was very very interesting back then and people who were amateurs like me were people like john wing and uh simon rakoff and people like that and now it's well actually simon was way ahead of me he was uh he was already headlining at that point wow wow like do you see um like what is the if if is there anything common that um that people who take your course like apart from the bucket list thing like do you see like common traits or common things in in the students that come to come to your class well what i see uh, a commonality is that uh, people uh first of all people want to do it i mean if if you've ever and i say this to anybody um uh when i whenever i mention stand up or stand up comes and people say oh i've always wanted to try that well, if you ever wanted to try it, you should try it. Yeah, absolutely. You should try it. And, and it's easy to do. You don't need me to do it. You mm -hmm. can just pick up the phone at any comedy club, say, when's your amateur night and go and do it. Um, but some people are very, very intensely afraid of that or don't know how to do that. And I don't blame them. It's it's a hard phone call to make. So, um, so you know, the what I've experienced coming in is that uh, um, the majority of these people are more mature um they uh have wanted to do it and they're known usually as the comic so um they were probably the class clown or the the funny person at work or things like that so so very often that is the 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 uh people who come to the class but it it really ranges okay and what else did i want to know if there was like one thing if there was only one thing that someone who took your course would leave with like if there was only one takeaway from your course like what would you want that to be oh uh well everyone is funny i mm -hmm. mean that that's the hard part is to convince people that uh that they're funny i mean we all make jokes right. we all make other people laugh true. everybody in the world has made someone laugh. somebody laugh that's yeah. true that's true and so so we uh the one thing i want them to take away from it. And it's a really good question. I don't get that one often is that they, um, I want them to take away a sense of humor, a sense of looking at something. You know, um, when something bad happens to you now, um, I, you know, you get pissed off, I get pissed off, but I bet you're the same as me thinking, how can I turn this into a bit? Yeah. How can I turn this? My car breaks down. How do I turn this into a bit? Yeah. My phone fell into the toilet. Well, there's a bit. I mean, <laughs> You know, I just got divorced. Believe me, I got a whole bit about that. So, you yeah. know, it, it is about also recognizing that this, uh, the, um, the unfortunate things that can happen in our lives can be overcome. Um, uh, I've worked with some really great comics who, who have clearly demonstrated that. And I'm thinking people like uh, uh, the late Gord Payne, who was a fantastic comic. 
completely blind, um, 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 but one of the funniest guys on the planet, and he was so good. Um, uh, people like Alan Shane, um, a local uh, who also works as an actor and a dancer, and uh, and uh, is uh, uh, you know conf basically confined to a wheelchair, but he's hysterical. Um, uh, so you know, I take a lot, I, and even myself to a certain extent, I've had to overcome a lot of. Uh, uh, to, just to be able to get out there. Um, I know that my comedy developed as a self-defense mechanism um, and it still does. That doesn't go away, yeah. you know? Um, and we all need it, uh, especially, you know, as things get crazier, we just get funnier. It becomes more ludicrous, so. <laughs> it's true, yeah, because I've noticed that I look at anything that's going on, it's like, how can... Like, how can I make that a bit? How can, like, what's what's funny about this? Sometimes it takes a little while depending on what's happened, but at some point I'm going to ask, like, can I make this funny? Can I, can this yeah. make this well, Also, um, uh, those experiences, again, I mean, comedy is about bringing a, 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 a commonality. Like, we're all in a group, okay? So I do theater and I do comedy. And here's the difference. When I walk into a theater, when I'm doing a play, there's a lot of pretension and I don't mean pretension in a bad way, although there's a lot of that too, but the pretension I mean is we come to the theater, we sit in our seats, the, we look at our programs, the lights go down, the play is performed, we clap at the end, even if we hated it, we clap for an Ottawa, we'll probably stand and then we'll leave. Okay. Um, in comedy, that's gone. It is free for all and not free for all. There's a certain, you know, respect. Yeah. But I've seen that respect go off the rails a few times, right? I've been heckled, I don't know, a hundred, two hundred times. I don't know how many times, right? <laughs> Over the years, right? I have been heckled in the theater once. Yeah. Once. And I remember it. I mean, how often is <laughs> that? Because you don't expect it in the theater. <laughs> but when that person did yell that out in a play, I knew what to do. <laughs> I've been heckled. Whereas the other actor just was, he's talking. So, uh, why is he talking <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and I was just laughing and then you know coming with a comeback um, so I love the idea of, uh, of of trading off the two because when I'm doing theater and a lot of theater at the National Heart Arts Center and the Great Canadian Theater Company you know and then afterwards we have drinks and champagne and we talk about the play and the hmm what did you think about that part there <laughs> right then you go into a comedy club and somebody make me laugh you yeah know, it's completely <laughs> different um, the, the, there's the fourth wall is gone. Uh, I'm, and you know, he's talking to me, I'm talking to him, you in the third row with the glasses. Yeah. You, yeah. um, that, um, to me is, um, it's like the difference between jazz and classical music. You know, I love doing both. Um, mm -hmm. I don't love one more than the other. Uh, I, I have been so blessed to be able to do both. Uh, you know, I, I, while I was doing, uh, um, uh, when I was headlining some time ago, I think it was last September at, uh, at the comedy club, I was rehearsing for a play at the national arts center, which was just like where I played a, a serial killer. So wow. <laughs> It's kind of this, uh, it, it kind of uh, really gets to stretch me a lot. 
But at the same time, um, you know, that whole thing I had, I talked about as a child, being able to escape and into different characters, I can still escape into them, but I'm me now. I don't, right. I'm not running away from anything. I feel right. really great to be able to do these things. And I certainly look forward to being able to do them again sometime. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because have you done any, um, like, there are a lot of Zoom shows online, stand-up shows. Have you done any? Do you have any interest? doing um, I, i'm gonna be honest i've got i've got other things going on um i've tried the comedy online um and i know uh that for me anyway it hasn't really it hasn't really hit um then again i haven't really been exploring it um and i haven't even really been watching it uh, uh i have been going into the club to teach up until just recently up until just a, a few weeks ago right um so uh so no i haven't uh, i haven't done the online comedy as it were okay so um say with your students that um in the courses that you've had since since march let's say since um um quarantine and lockdowns have happened like how would you describe like the act like how would you describe the experience in the before times versus you know because they're not going to get the same experience yeah. of being on stage and a packed house and and things like that like they're doing it um with social distancing so they're not really even okay. though it's still nerve-wracking and stuff well, when, you, when you did your your show uh for us was that upstairs or downstairs was upstairs upstairs so yeah. you're upstairs absolute comedy the place mm -hmm. is packed right yeah right and it's and it's awesome right you you right. literally hundreds of people um the difference obviously is that there's not hundreds of people there's uh i think the last show had like 40 people 45 people yeah not max yeah, yeah max. Max. Um, that's max. <laughs> uh, so it's so that uh uh that um sort of crucial uh, um, point of, of the, the amount of people you need, critical mass is the word I'm looking for. You kind of need a critical mass to sustain a certain degree of comedy. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, uh, one of the things that I talk about is the sensation of being able to drop a joke and it hits like your timing is just right. And when you have 200 people who are surrounding you, and looking at you yeah. and laughing simultaneously. And when they all release the same, ha, there's actually a concussive thing in the air. You feel it. You feel it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, just, I remember I, feeling it at, at the show. Like, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's, it's incredibly intoxicating. And uh, it, once you've had that hit, you, you kind of want it again. Yeah. You're kind of, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, though, you can't get that hit in 40 people. Uh, behind plexiglass exactly That's what I was gonna say. and you know it, it is just different um now from the audience's perspective there is virtually no difference so if you if you're looking at the plexiglass it disappears in a, in a millisecond if you're right. behind the plexiglass performing that's totally different it's like a funhouse mirror <laughs> yeah. well that's it first of all it's distorted uh it's almost you like can't having here properly uh, you can't hear it's like google glass too like you're superimposed onto the audience wherever you look and um uh, not only that but it's triptych right you've got yeah. this and then this one and this one so you're it, and it's 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 a very bizarre feeling um so one of the things that i did uh, uh for the new for these post or or during pandemic is um the first week we write about covid 
write okay. jokes about COVID. Like that's the elephant in the room. It's the right. one commonality we're all sharing now. So in a way, it allows us to sort of, uh, and as, as is going on with memes and such, we're making jokes about COVID. We're making jokes about Trump. We're making jokes about uh, the insurrection. I mean, this is what we do. We have to make jokes about yeah. <laughs> it. Um, so, uh, so I think that... Um, I think that that's one of the, uh, I mean, if you watch late night, you can see it's a huge difference. Try, and these, these guys have writers and they're professionals and they are struggling because at this moment in time, there's mm -hmm. nothing stopping me from watching you as opposed to Conan or, or, or uh, any of the other late shows, right? There's, there's no reason, it's, it's all the same now. Yeah. We're all on the equal level. Yeah, so, we're all sitting in our living room or something. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We're all watching, looking at each other's uh, wallpaper and hey, what are you doing there? What do you got <laughs> back there? I mean, that's the, the, the kind of difference now. And without having an audience and you listen to Seth Meyers, who I think is a very funny guy, but of course the jokes aren't going to land the same way. Um, and, uh, and it's not like, like stand-up and, and talk show formats can really adjust to that. Um, they kind of, like us, need a live audience. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, that's where the energy comes from. It, it really is about energy. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just performing to a bathroom mirror. You and I are talking right now, and we have energy between us. That's clear. But how many people are watching, sending comments? You know, that's not an energy I can feed off of. Right. When I'm right. live streaming, it's the same thing. I, I have usually about 300 people who watch me do a live stream. Now, I know they're there, but I can't read any of the comments till after. Right, right. and you're not hearing uh, or feeling their reactions no, or, exactly. or anything, so, uh, yeah. But, uh, but fortunately, and it would be the same for these guys, uh, that I have performed for 40 years. So I kind of know where the pauses are, where the beats are, where the timing goes, but, it's, but, I'm, but I'm still guessing, you know? And, and, yeah. and the whole reason I did this um, and I'm in Canadian show business, it's not for the money. It's for the contact that you have with an audience that makes it all so special, right? That 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 concussive feeling, uh, the feeling when people come up to you after and go, "Fuck, yeah, that was so funny, damn yeah. it." Um, yeah. You know, I'll tell you a story. I was in uh, uh, at Kingston again. All, all my great stories are in Kingston, um, <laughs> and I was doing. Uh, it was near Christmas. It was a couple of years ago, and uh, uh, this guy was in the audience and he was heckling and. What the heck? They all heckle in Kingston. They, they, it's a very chatty place. So love you, Kingston. Anyway, they, uh, <laughs> this, this guy, um, was at a table alone. And so I'm like, Hey, are you, you here alone? Da, 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 da. And we kind of racked on that for a while, you know, like you gotta, you gotta find the weakness. There's the weakness. So I'm making jokes about him being alone. His friends aren't there and ha ha ha. So after the show, I'm at the bar and, uh, and he, comes up and says you know can I buy you a drink and absolutely buy me a drink and he he sort of then he started opening up to me he said you know I came here tonight and I was I was so sad he said my business is down the toilet my wife is leaving me I had four tickets for friends and three of them didn't come and you made me laugh so hard oh. and I was like I, I didn't even know what to say except yeah. like, you know hey Let's have another drink. I'll yeah. buy you one. Um, you know, the idea is sometimes we don't we don't think about why people go to see comedy. We just assume they're there. 
just like, just like when they go to see comedy they don't necessarily not coming to see me they're going to see comedy and yeah. i have to be the guy mm -hmm. uh, but everybody who comes is usually looking for something, for something. like a laugh i, I want to laugh and i guarantee you that if i stopped the show and said hey who here really needs to laugh you'd see a lot of hands like you know uh, and, and, and I would, you know, sometimes I would do that and people would be like, well, my, you know, my brother died last week or this or that or something. Mm -hmm. And at the end, we end up laughing. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. that's, that's kind of what we do. Um, so there's a, there's a real uh, lovely connection with audiences that, that sort of is, is, is missing now. And I'm looking forward to getting it back. Yeah. Isn't the yeah. first time that, you know, um, performance arts have been stopped because of pandemics and plagues. It's happened before. Believe me, I'm a Shakespeare scholar, not a scholar, but I <laughs> do a lot of it. This is, happens a lot, uh, every once in a while. And right. we will come back easily because mm -hmm. people want to. I mean, yeah. who doesn't want to go back to the club right now? We all do. Everybody does. Yeah. 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 It's true. It's true. But yeah, no, there's something really special I find when someone comes up to you after. And it's like, oh my God, you know, I was dying or something like that. That's really, um, that's really powerful. And I remember like after, after our classes show and right. I was like, like, ah, right after. And I remember when I left the club and there were some people from the audience outside and they're like, hey, like this. And I'm like, hey, and I went, got to my car and I burst into tears. Oh, wow. I sat in my car sobbing. I was just, I was just so overcome. You know, and it was just because yeah. uh, I remember the first laugh and I felt it. I felt it. And I was like, oh, I love this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's pretty intoxicating. It's yeah. pretty intoxicating. And you don't even yeah. necessarily have to feel uh, uh, that bit about it. You know, like people want th this is a lesson. And I probably told you the story because I almost tell every class this when I discovered this. Um, mm -hmm. I was in guess where? Kingston. I was in Kingston and it was my, one of my first paid shows. Uh, I was an opener and it was at a bar and I knew the, I don't know what the bar was, but it was across from the Kingston pen when it was still running. And the, uh, it was basically guards and people who worked there or had just escaped. Um, anyway, they, uh, they were all in the audience and we got there about 20, 25 minutes early and I'm really scared because I'm doing an opener and I've never done this is my first paid opener. And I'm walking through the bar and something strikes me. They're all smiling. Yeah. They're all laughing. They're all got their arms around each other. Go, this is going to be fucking great. Yeah. yeah. There's nobody there who's waiting for me to go. Can't wait to fuck this guy up. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. That's what we think. Yeah, I think there's going to be somebody there or everybody's going to be like, make me laugh. Yeah, it's not what yeah. they're thinking. They're thinking, make me laugh, please. They want to laugh. Yeah, that's true. And so uh, that is the one of the first things I tell students, because we all get this impression that we're going to go out and there's going to be a heckler. Right. And, and the reality is hecklers, especially in club settings, are, are, are kind of rare. I mean, they do happen. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you should be prepared for them. But hecklers are, are kind of the least of my worries when, when I'm going on stage. <laughs> um, but I do remember the times when I started and, and the things that worried me. And, and 
they really are inconsequential. They're, they're, people want you to succeed. Yes. And if you're watching somebody on stage dying, like not doing well, think about it. It's, it's painful. Not, you hurt. Yeah. It, and you it's hurt not, for them, yeah. It, and it's painful for them. Mm -hmm. But it's more painful for you as the yeah. viewer. You're watching going, oh, I wish I could. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's indicative of how the audience actually wants you to do well. You know, and that's that's something that sometimes people are hard uh, to convince of that. And when I found that out, that changed everything. It changed yeah. everything in my performance, not just in comedy, but in theater as well. Because in theater now, if I perform as I did last year, let's say I was on the NAC stage. OK, there's, uh, you know, there's 900 people in the audience. Am I nervous? No, because <laughs> even if I'm doing badly, nobody's going to throw a fucking bottle at my head. Nobody's going to, what the fuck is that? Nobody's going to do that, right? Yeah. Um, as I said, it's it's Ottawa. They will politely clap and stand and say thank you. Um, so it's 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 a different story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that because I because I my thing with hecklers is I always feel that um, the crowd doesn't want hecklers either. No, of course not. It's, it's it's infringing on their night out and. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why really at the end of the day, I mean, you can have your sort of heckler lines that, you you know, shut down lines. Mm -hmm. You know, you should always have four or five of them just ready. Bam, 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 mm -hmm. bam. Um, but um, but you have to be careful because um, I mean, I've I've ragged on hecklers and it turns out they are friends with half of the audience and the, <laughs> this is you not you're not at a club but if you're on a, doing in an out of town or you're in chrysler or something and you're doing you know the cheese festival or something and you know this person's heckling and you slam them down you realize oh no they're like the pillar of the community yeah. i just made every enemy in the world so um so uh hecklers uh yeah uh, at the end of the day most of what i try to do and most I see good comics do is try to isolate that person basically almost like a hey how many people paid 25 bucks to hear this jack off spout about how small his dick is anybody no okay how many people pay to see me and usually when they can see that there is uh that they they are not liked then that's the case but i've often had hecklers come up to me after uh, and think that this is acceptable behavior. Like this is part of the show. Like, hey, that was great, eh? Hey, like, <laughs> yeah, like, we're a good team. Eh? Like, no, no, we, we don't. We don't do no. that. I mean, I can see how you think that, but yeah. that's not how this works. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I was gonna say. Okay, so I had stuff about hecklers and all of that. Um, and you said you mentioned that your like one of your favorites was uh, George Carlin. Like, what kind of like what kind of things make you laugh? Like, what do you find funnier? Like, yeah, what sort of things make you laugh? Well, I'm I, I mean I'm so lucky uh, that I get to see so much comedy, um, um, and especially raw, young, new uh, uh, comedy coming out of Canada, coming out of Ottawa. Uh, I, I just love that. Uh, um, I love uh, some of the comics that have come through here. Um, but growing up, uh, I was highly influenced by George Carlin because of his observational way of talking, but also his love of language. Mm 
Mm. Um, I like to play with language too. It's a, it's, I think it's an, an important thing in any comics uh, uh, wheelhouse is to be able to turn a phrase. And uh, so I've always been uh, interested in how, not just how he would observe things, but how he would relate them back, how he would describe them and set up the joke, um, how he knew that some words, uh, he of course has the, the, the famous seven words you could never say on television, which actually made it to the Supreme Court of the United States and he was in the his because it was censored and they lifted the censorship on it because it, it he said this is free speech mm -hmm. and these seven words which I memorized at the age of like eight shift as fuck across the motherfucker tits so boom I got it all <laughs> right um and and just the idea that you know and he never changed because I I, li I listened to George Carlin right up until he died he was performing right mm -hmm. up until he died yeah he was making these great observations right up until he died um i think people like uh, uh ben of course as the 80s sort of came in in the 80s and the 90s um uh we had people like seinfeld and uh uh um you know even uh, leno at that time was a comic and i knew leno mm -hmm. being a very very funny comic <laughs> not as funnier later but certainly as a comic <laughs> it's funny because i saw a lot of these guys when they were younger uh uh and uh and sort of their own the, their own approach to comedy um as uh, as it went on though uh also seeing um seeing like Seinfeld, who to me is, uh, is again, sort of takes that mantle of observational humor and presents it in, in, a, in a really different way. And here's a guy who really knows how to work it, like work it. Um, he doesn't just get up and start doing this stuff off the top of his head. He's rehearsed every nuance of his lines. And that's wow. something that, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in. Uh, don't write, you know, three words and then you're going to make it up and kind of remember it when you go on. No, like write every fucking word yeah. and or but how are you going to say it um, and uh, and rehearse it rehearse it so that you know because we all know that when we get up there i, I mean you know it, even comics who've been up doing it for 40 years i'm still scared to do new material mm -hmm. we're all scared to do new material yeah. we'd rather just do our old material until we die mm -hmm. uh however you know uh, different strokes isn't on the air anymore so we can't make jokes about it right uh <laughs> we need to uh we need to constantly <laughs> update and um, one of the things that I find fascinating most about comedy, as opposed to theater or any other art form, is something can happen that day and I make a joke about it that night, like right away. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's, a, that's an amazing uh, uh, part of the, of the art form is how quickly it can be presented. Um, and, and it's always in the air. Like, you know, we, not only can we make jokes about what happened that day, I can make a joke what happened that minute at that yeah. table with that guy. Yeah. Uh, and that makes it, uh, 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 far more like if, I, you know, there's jokes that I have and material that I have, um, that, um, reach out to the audience that require audience interaction. Mm -hmm. And many people think, you know, wow, this is just coming off the top of your head. Yeah. yeah a lot of it is. But a lot of it isn't. Um, so if I ask a, a joke about it, there's a certain dog joke that I do. What kind of dog do you have? And then I make a joke about whatever they tell me. And the reason I do that, what I do now is I, I have literally done that joke hundreds of times. I've had 
hundreds of different dog breeds right. thrown back at me. And I kind of always had to sort of figure out how am I going to answer this? How am I going to answer this? This one, this one. Mm -hmm. So uh, so I kind of like that opportunity of being able to uh, uh, sort of think on your feet. You, you, you have to write. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible about writing new material. And so one of the reasons of teaching is I also have to force myself to uh, to be fresh, you know, mm -hmm. try and be as fresh as possible. Right. No, because I remember the the joke that the example, the joke example that you gave us, and it was something about um, it was the rule of three. The rule of three, and the, the one I, three. I'm sure I told you was um, uh, I I I'm working out recently, as you can tell. I uh, started swimming at the YMCA, but the only problem with the Y is the pool is so chlorinated they got one lane for laps one lane for pleasure swimming and the third is for bleaching pulp and paper products <laughs> and and of course that the three rule is really helps to uh uh because comedy is all about uh um, changing directions really quickly you think it's going to go this way but it's actually going yeah. this way. so when you're doing the three rule it's actually uh, uh, helping to pull them into the direction you don't want them to go. Yeah, and then <laughs> they, yeah, and then it's the, the so um, so that's always worked well. And and uh, anytime you're trying to think of that and bringing in the three example, um, it helps to lead it in the direction you want it to go. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember um, because I know I've had people ask um, about the class, and they're like, "Well, when do you get up on stage?" And I'm like that first night you're up on stage right away sort yeah. of thing. and they're like oh and I remember the premise you gave us and you brought us each on stage and I remember it was how the 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 weed is so strong like how strong is it yeah yeah and I remember I said the weed was so strong that Jesus saw me <laughs> that's great uh yeah I, I mean, uh, so the first time I get, well, what's important for me is to get people on the stage because uh, that, first of all, that's what they want. Mm -hmm. They all want to get up on that stage and see what it's like. So, uh, so I do that uh, almost right away. Uh, and what I do is that very first class, um, I try to um, liberate your brain a bit. Uh, by using the old uh, Johnny Carson rule, the old Johnny Carson jokes. And Johnny Carson jokes are, it was so cold, how cold was it? It was so hot. How hot how was, was it? it? The weed was so strong. How strong was it? Um, and that gives you, I know it's it's this very simple exercise, but it gives you a, an opportunity to think out of reality, right? Because that's what comedy is. Um, one of the things that we have to get over or have to get students over is they don't have to tell the truth. And in fact, if they do tell the truth, usually it's not as funny. But if you can make it, use the truth, but make it funny. So, uh, so the truth is the pool uh, on Argyle Street is incredibly fucking chlorinated. Uh, and of course, they do have one lane for laps, one lane for pleasure swimming. But of course, they don't bleach pulp and paper products. But how, what is the extreme? Yeah. It's so chlorinated. Well, what what is the most chlorinated thing you can do with chlorine? Let's say what is you know it's how hot? How, what 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 is the hottest? How strong is this weed? It's so strong. Yeah. So um, because that uh, that's something we react to comically is just extremes, right? Extremes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
so I try to use that and other different sort of uh, exercises. But uh, as you remember, I also really, um, um, I really try to concentrate on the individual. Like, who are you? Um, I, you know, I, you know, I don't want people going out there and doing the same thing as every other person. Right. Um, um, nobody is going to be hugely successful by getting up and imitating Seinfeld, unless they're doing Seinfeld imitation. What, mm -hmm. what you want to do is to access what is unique about you and the way you see the world. If you've, if you've wanted to get up on stage and do comedy, it's probably because you look at the world in a funny way. And that's why people say, hey, you should be, yeah, you should do comedy. And, uh, and that's how you can do it. You can look at the world in kind of a strange way. And what I'm encouraging uh, the comics to do is to let themselves come through. So that's why uh, uh, my first assignment is uh, write me five or 10 jokes about you, about where you're from, uh, you know, what kind of background do you have, your cultural backgrounds, mm -hmm. your, your familial backgrounds. Are you one of 19 children? Because I bet there's a story there. Are you an only <laughs> child? I bet you're a story there. Did you grow up as the only black person in Iqaluit? I bet there's a story there, you know? And, and I have found now that, that people are coming out with these great stories, you know, like, uh, um, uh, and I encourage them to do it. Like, I don't, I'm not encouraging them to, to play on it, but clearly everyone has a different perspective. Um, and some of those perspectives are uh, um, uh, warped beyond belief and they're great. Um, you know, like <laughs> the individuals that get up are highly different. Some of them tell these very well constructed jokes in a little way and they make it other people just go up there and yeah. <laughs> and that's good enough, you know, um, uh, because at the end of the day, you can say whatever you like. And this is what I tell the students that I, I would never censor. The right. only thing to remember is it's got to be funny. Yeah. If it's if it's preachy, they might not laugh as much if it's this way. It's not. But it, it just has to be funny um, now. Uh, because of the uh, uh, the winds of politics, uh, uh, political correctness for better or for worse, um, it's here. So comics also have to bear in mind uh, that comedy changes by the day, literally by the day. Yeah. Um, I'll still be doing William Shakespeare in 20 years as they've been doing for the last 400, but comedy, I'm not going to be doing, you know, uh, uh, I'm not going to be doing... Uh, I'm not going to be doing other people's jokes from that period. I'm not going to be yeah. doing Dick Van Dyke or, or you know, right. all these other guys. I, I'm, it changes so fast. Exactly. Um, and that's why, uh, you know, that's why it's in, I'm always encouraging people to be themselves because that personality that comes through uh, is, is sort of emblematic of the society as well about what's going right. on. Right. But I also encourage people like, you know, I've had people where I've had to say, you know, you can't really use that word. I mean, you can yeah. use it. But I warn you <laughs> I up guarantee front. your safety. <laughs> yeah, I can warn you up front. You shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, uh, punching down is another thing that we just, we don't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can do it. And a group of people may laugh. But in general, if you want to work a club or work or be a working comic, you can't punch down. You can't. Yeah pick on the homeless you can't uh, uh talk about women in a derogatory way uh and these are these are things that grew up with right 
it was okay yeah, for a white no, guy yeah to, i remember for a white guy to make jokes about 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 minorities is sort of the the don rickles uh, effect right where you know don rickles was this white guy who was making jokes about every nationality under the sun and that was totally okay it was not okay anymore no. those jokes are still made yeah. but they're made by the individuals within those subgroups right. who are now by society permitted to do that. Yeah. Do I think it's wrong? No, <laughs> I don't think it's wrong at <laughs> all. Uh, because I've had people push against me going, how come they can say it, but I can't? It's because you're white, that's why. Yeah, okay? yeah. You're, not in, you're not the group. You're not in that group. group. And yeah. you know, don't give me this bullshit that you've got uh, some sort of uh, ghetto pass on it because nobody exactly. does. Nobody no one's going to accept that pass. Accept that pass. So you, so there has been, you know, there's a bit of pushback sometimes, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, the, the political correctness, um, it can be pushed and should be pushed. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I, I've also seen that, uh, if you want to be a working comic, if you want to work the clubs, you want to work especially one-nighters or a way especially corporate, yeah. uh, you know, you have to be conscious of these things. Right, for sure, definitely. And definitely. it's okay to be like, I, I can certainly tell you how many comics that I've worked with in my life who thought they were above that. We thought, well, I'm just going to lay my shit down. And you don't like it, you just like fuck off. Right? <laughs> and they do, they lay their shit down and then you never see them again. Yeah. People go, you know what? I, there's a hundred other comics, man. <laughs> I don't need that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 So I have one more set of questions. Sure. I know um, we've got a few minutes left yeah. and this is just like a, like a fun, a fun portion. Not that the rest of it wasn't fun. But <laughs> so I have a list of questions. I have, and so I'd like you to pick a number between one and 62 and it'll correspond with the question, the next question I'll ask you. Okay. 18. 18? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let me see. Okay, question 18 says, what's something I would never guess about you? Oh, uh, I, uh, I sing. I, I, I'm a, a closet musician and I don't, play publicly almost ever um, but I play instruments and I I, I love strings instruments uh, I'm a huge also history nerd I, I love history um, and uh, boy what else um, I'm not sure what else I, I have an extremely uh, one of the rarest uh, uh, medical skin conditions in the world I have a condition uh -huh. called ichthyosis erythroderma epidermolytic hyperkeratosis. I'm one of a very small handful of people wow. who happens to have this condition where my skin regenerates at a hyper rate. So you're, everyone else watching, your skin regenerates at uh, approximately every 28 days. Mine regenerates hourly. So it's oh, wow. uh, so it's this, this condition that I have that's, uh, it's almost like having a, a continual sunburn. So my my, oh, my do you, you, your skin peels. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Is it painful? Can or be. Can be. Can be wow. Yeah. Wow. But I've had it my whole life, and that's what I am. You know. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh it's 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 
affected, uh, it certainly influenced me uh, because as I said, growing up with it, it was extremely difficult. Um, and uh, comedy was a way to put people at ease with me. Uh, it's not very visible now. You can't really tell um, uh, unless you know me really well and see it, you know, really closely. But uh, but there were times where it wasn't, um, and because of its rarity, I'm the one who has had to sort of come up with therapies and how do I figure this out? So, so yeah, that's one thing you probably don't know about me. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for sharing. Oh, no worries. No worries. And so, well, our but time I, is. But as I said, but as I said, it's a, it's, um, you know, uh, that's where you take that the the comedy where you you can uh, you can change your life, you can change the way you look at your life yeah. by uh, by something like this. So this is a person who never thought they'd live to see sixteen because there's no way I was going to go through life like this way. To somebody who loves life now um, and can't wait to reconnect with audiences again. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm so glad to talk to you. Yeah. I haven't seen you since the summer. Yeah. (laughs) When we ran into each other in Kingston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully, again, it won't be in Kingston because everything I've said makes it sound like I live in fucking Kingston. And uh, (laughs) it might be in Kingston. I have a lot of friends in Kingston. I was there. I spent a lot of time there. Like, anyway, (laughs) I did, unless they see this show, but I love you. So thank you so much, Pierre. I really appreciate uh, Very welcome. the time you took to, to talk to me today. Well, thanks for doing this. I think this is a, is a great idea and it's a great resource for, uh, for especially for Ottawa comics. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. We'll see you okay. next time. I'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Whoops. Ay, ay, ay.